Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. The Bible said after he created man, on the sixth day he saw man and he looked at everything. And by the way, they were naked. And the Bible made that point. So Adam's there with his junk and everything, you know, doing what he does. And, and, and Eve is there and she's bouncing and behaving and all that's happening. got to make church fun, right? <laughs> and the Bible said, and God saw it and said it was good. God created the stuff we made a game of. You see, before I met the Lord, I played with sex. It was a game. And I played in the play, but it was more like Russian roulette, if I tell you the truth. But a lot of our kids are playing with sex. It's just a game. I'm about to go through some, I'm, I'm thinking, how do I get back to my text? Let me tell you something, and I might have said this before, but you know, you watch a woman have a couple babies where she has stress marks where she didn't have before, and she, there's a little more to it than there was on that wedding day. Hear what I'm saying? And you had a long day's work, and, and she's dealing with them children, and, and let me tell you, sex ain't a game no more, and that's where the real, you hear what I'm, that's where real stuff needs to occur and happen. Sex was designed to be the glue to help folks through the rough spots. Okay, y'all not helping me much. Okay, you're thinking. That's what's happening. You're thinking about what I'm saying. That's what it is. Listen, God knew how difficult marriage would be. He said, I got to give y'all something special. He said, I'm going to give y'all something to work out and work with for years. And it's going to be special to this relationship because y'all need that type of glue. And psychologists and psychiatrists, people who studied, you know, human behavior, they say, you know, in the church they would call it soul bonds and all that. But, but in, in, in science, they would say that when a, woman, a man and a woman are intimate, there's a bond formed. And you, you can't really explain it, but there's a connection. And if you remember back, back when you were playing with sex, even though, you know, that guy might not have known your name, you were waiting for the call because there was a bond. And, and guys don't bond as well sometimes as the ladies. But nonetheless, there was a bonding involved. And the covenant of marriage, in order to endure the tribulations and the challenges, God gave it a special sweet spot that no other relationship should or would have. And it was all, again, to strengthen the marriage. Right, let's just get back to, to Scripture here. Well, the thing got Abraham upset, he's hurting, and that's what this stuff's designed to do. When we use something out of its original intention and purpose, it breaks us, it hurts us, it harms us. Okay, I'm still stuck on this point. Sex is a gift not to be toyed with. Just because the music was good and you had a, a few glasses of the adage is, if it feels good, do it. The only thing, there's a lot of feel good that's killing us. Matter of fact, when I was a young kid, you know, the worst you might get from dealing wrongly is maybe some bumps on your body. But now this stuff will kill you. If we make a game out of what God wants us to take serious, we not only dishonor ourselves, 
We not only dishonor God, we dishonor our community. You say your sexual relationship is personal. Is it? When my taxes are being used to pay for your child? Because daddy is not there. You don't have enough money. and You said it was personal and private, not anymore. It will eventually become a community issue. Because those children are going to live, and, and if you let them, and, and, and they're going to live, and, and, they, they, and man, they, culture and society has to deal with them. Do you understand? Okay, let's, let's go back to the text, and, and we'll see what happens this morning. And then he said, God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your, uh-oh, God said, your slave woman. This love triangle was not God's idea. God calls Hagar, your slave. I didn't do this. You did this. And he's making it clear. Then he said, whatever Sarah, your real wife. How many of y'all have a real wife and a... Whatever Sarah... Mothers, y'all should be applauding me right now because I'm about to help you. I'm scared of what I'm going to say next. Whatever Sarah... Your real wife says to you, do as she tells you, for through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This is what's beautiful about God. Listening to Sarah is what got him into this mess, but God gives Sarah an opportunity to redeem herself. And he gives her a word so that she can uh, fix the situation and correct the situation. And God will give you a chance to fix the things that you have I'm made wrong. In verse 13, he said, And I will make a nation, pay attention, of the son of the slain woman also. Is that what it says? God is awesome. He's incredible. There's none beyond compare. I mean, none can compare to our God. If you will address your mistake, God will bless your mistake also. He said, I'm going to bless Isaac, but he said, listen, I will make a great nation of that boy. That thing you did with that slave woman when you ought not to have, I'll make something of him also. He said, the reason why is because he's your offspring. There's only one reason God blessed Ishmael. It wasn't because he was good, because we just found out he wasn't. He was trying to pick on a three-year-old child that couldn't defend himself. He wasn't a good boy. The only reason God blessed him was because of who he belonged to. And we find that principle playing itself out throughout Scripture. It's not always because I'm great and and I'm so deserving, but because I belong to God, because he loved me, because I've given myself to him. You understand what I'm saying here? So Abraham rose up early in the morning. He did this when he had to sacrifice Isaac, and this was... uh, his manner, when he, when he had to do something for God, he didn't postpone it, he didn't procrastinate, he went out and did it. He rose up early in the morning and took bread and skin of water. He didn't want to do it, but he did it. And he gave it to Hagar. And sometimes we do the wrong thing, even fixing this thing it can, can, can be a little bit painful, and the pain's not always going to go away. Putting it on her shoulders along with the child, meaning it was, it was sufficient water for the trip. It took both of their shoulders to carry it. But then he sent her what? Away. We see something here. Good man will provide sufficient bread and water, even for children of dubious origins. Abraham provided for him and sent them. 
but it costs him some water and some bread. And it may cost you a little bit of bread to do right by that child. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. This is why God's against sin. Its effects will always leave somebody exposed, hurting, and walking around in a circle somewhere. It's not because God's trying to keep something from you. He's again trying to protect you and keep you safe. When the water in the skin was gone, and what I'm going to say next is going to take the rest of the passage to prove it out to you, so, but here, here's what you're about to discover. There was a water enough in that uh, skin to get them to where they needed to go, but it wasn't enough for them to wonder. It's really, really, really important. You see, her emotional state kind of blinded her to, to the provision that was already there. She started wondering when actually, if she would have been clear-eyed, she would have saw her provision. Does that make sense? And sometimes the trauma of certain events in our lives, they hurt us so bad, we can't see clearly. We're so wounded by what just happened. And sometimes it's even our fault, but, but that's not the point. This, in this case, it wasn't this woman's fault. This lady, did not, Hagar, did nothing wrong. She was a slave. She didn't, she, she didn't seduce Abraham. She was just minding her own business, doing what Sarah told her to do. And then Sarah set her up into this particular situation. She did absolutely nothing wrong. And when something's unfair, man, it could be very, very wounding. I mean, her eyes were swollen and it's all red and she can't see. And, and that's the point. Grief will cause you so you can't see. Grief will rob you if you stay there too long. That, you know, it's appointed for a time for a man to cry, uh, a, a time for a man to weep or a woman to weep. But, but don't stay in that season too long because Satan will, will keep you there. You know, first grade is good, but when you're supposed to go into second grade, not so good. And there'll be seasons that you should go through certain emotions, but you got to, you know, graduate at some point and get ready to, to move on. It says here, and she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And when the water of the skin was, was, was gone here, she put the child under one of the bushes we see here that a mother has sometimes more stamina than even a young man, and, and this is the case here in times of crisis. But verse 16, then she went and sat down opposite him. The Bible's very intentional about that which it records. She went and sat down opposite him a good way off. And Scripture is about to reveal to us the balance that every single mother must learn. Hagar stayed close enough to protect him if anything jumped off, but far enough away not to coddle him. And this is the challenge of parenting, not just motherhood, but, but parenting. And, you know, when, when, when do I, I step in there to, to do something, but when do I back off? You know, in the culture today, you read magazine articles, they call parents today helicopter moms and dads, helicopter parents. Why? Because we're always hoovering over. That's a mistake. Because if your son doesn't skin his knee and learn how to recuperate, what about when he's, when he's 20 years old and he skins his knee and he's not in the house anymore? He's screaming like a little baby. You hear what I'm saying? Because he hasn't learned. And sometimes you have to give your kids some space to grow. You hear me? So here's this, this single mother. And I haven't thought about it, but maybe the first in the Bible. I'm really not sure. Maybe after service it'll come to me. Whether, but God is giving single moms marching orders here. She went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. 
as far as an arrow can shoot. Mamas, you have to give your boy some space if he's going to grow into a healthy young man. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. How many single mothers have, 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 have had to watch a child abandoned by their dad, dry up on the inside, thirsting for a father's approval, a father's affection, a, a father's attaboy? You hear what I'm saying? How, how many mothers have had to watch this? And what, what, what's difficult, you want to, ooh, 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 uh-uh. Hagar stood at a distance. And sometimes what, what seems to be the, the breaking of your child might be God's making of that child. And sometimes you got to back up and let that boy, let that girl go through it. And you just be a safe enough distance. If anything crazy breaks out, you can be there. But some things you got to give children space to face and deal with on their own. And she sat opposite him. And you, you see, she, the scripture is really reiterating her distance because it's trying to tell her something. And she lifted up her voice and wept. Sometimes that's all a mother can do. Sometimes, mom, you just got to close your door, let your child go through it and cry. Dads, it might be the same thing. Sometimes, you know, you might not cry. Maybe you go punch them. Go, go get a punching bag. Do what you got to do. But lead a child and give him some space. To go through what he got to go through and make the determinations that this child can only make for himself. Verse 17. And God heard the voice of the boy. You need to pay attention to what was just written. It didn't say that God heard mama's voice. Didn't say that. She cried. God heard her cries. But it said God heard the voice of the boy. A mother can only carry a young man but so far. At some point he has to find his own voice. At some point, he has to cry out to God for himself. God has no stepchildren. And mama, I know you care. I know you want to help, but back up. Sometimes you got to give the child space. Sometimes he got to hurt long enough, deep enough for him to call on that name above every name. And, and you hear me? And, and cry out to God for himself. This is tough about parenting because you want to help. But if you're not, not careful, you, you can kind of paralyze your child. You, you, you can hinder your child by, by being there too much and always hovering and not giving them space to develop their own mechanisms on the inside. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, why are you so upset, mama? What's troubling you, Hagar? And he said, no worries, I got this. Fear not. I am turning this boy into a man. I know what it looks like, but, but I'm at work in this situation. For God has heard the voice of the boy. Now listen, parents, where he is. Is that in the Bible there? God knows how to reach your child right where he is. Right where he is. I don't care where he is. God can reach him under whatever tree he has chosen to sit under. Feelings of abandonment. I mean, feelings of, you know, lack of affirmation. My dad has rejected all that. God knows how to reach your child. Wherever he is, but sometimes, parents, you got to back up and give God space to do God. Up. The angel says, stop all this crying, mama. You, you backed up. You gave him some distance. But here's your part. Lift up the boy. Don't start putting him down. You're weak like your daddy. Your daddy ain't do right. You ain't never. No, 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 no. Then it said, and hold him fast with your hand. 
saying, hey, girl, I'm going to give you strength to do what his daddy ought to do. You know, mothers, you're in a difficult situation, but you serve an omnipotent God. I mean, God's arm is not short. And daddy wasn't there, but he was still willing to use mama. Now, some things uh, a mother can't do, but here God supernaturally empowered said, lift up the boy. This is a big old boy. I mean, a regular mama can't lift up a 17-year-old boy like this. But God obviously put some strength in her. And, and what she was saying is, is grab that boy and just hold on. And sometimes that's all you can do is grab on to that child and just hold on. Then it said, for I will make of him. This is the boy abandoned by his dad. By the way, his dad was a prophet. His dad was the pastor of the church. His dad was the deacon and the elder. In spite of the crooked background, in spite of the scandalous actions and deeds taken in this young man's life, for I will, you see it, mama, you can't do it. A woman cannot make a man into a man. It takes a man to make a man into a man. So he said, you know what, I'm going to step in. And what Abraham's not doing, I will do. I will be that boy's father. I take it on myself. My son Abraham's just a little bit screwy. Got some th- I'm going to use him, do some great things, love him, but I know my boy. I'm going to step in here, and I will make him into a what? Great nation. Once again, what mother thought would destroy the boy, God is using to make the boy great. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water meaning the well had been there all the time. Mothers, your answer has been there all the time. But do not let your unresolved grief over what that man did or maybe over what some woman is doing blind you to your present possibilities and provision because of your past. Her eyes were swollen because of her past. She couldn't see. But God came and supernaturally showed her what was always there. And you may say, I don't have a man in my life, and I'm raising this, this young man and this, this young girl. You know, have you looked around this room? Grace is an exceptional church in that we have a high population of men. And we have, we have Marines, we have Army, we have Colonels, we, we have business, we have all types of men in this room. We have, what, the Boys of Grace, we have uh, Man Up Ministry, we have uh, all, I'm, I'm running out of, we got some stuff. But some of you are so wounded by what he did to me that you're missing. Men, would you stand up in this room? Stand up. Stand up. You're missing all these men that are looking for an opportunity to disciple and encourage and mentor your boy. So plug your boy in. Open your eyes. Stop crying. There is a solution. You may be seated. Then God opened her eyes and she saw. And by the way, to mentor a boy, it doesn't take, you know, a whole lot. Sometimes it's just him from a distance watching a man be a man. Sometimes just watch another man walk. Sometimes just watch another man be kind to his wife. Sometimes just watch another man with his little girl and loving on that little girl. Sometimes that's all it takes. And you have a tremendous opportunity in front of you. And maximize these opportunities and use them for your good. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and what did she do? Filled the water or the skin with water. And that's what you need to do. Take advantage of these opportunities. You know, if you see a man that your son seems to be taken to, do a little investigating because everybody praising the Lord ain't right here. But, but please, 
Pray about it. Maybe go talk to the deacons or something. But after you do a little research, you know what, you know, find a way. And these men in here, a lot of these men didn't have daddies. They know exactly what your boy's going through. They, they have the exact medicine he needs. But again, you're crying over the fact you're alone, missing the fact you're no longer alone. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Mothers, God will show you how to get what your child needs. God will show you how to get whatever it is that boy needs. And if you can't get it, he'll get someone else to get it to him. And God, Abraham left him. But then God was with the boy. And he grew up. Can you have faith that God can be to that child what his daddy is not? Daddy was not with him, but God was with that boy. And God made that boy grow. Matter of fact, you say, well, nobody went through it. No, no. I don't really know when, when Jesus' daddy died. I know at some point they don't mention him anymore. But Jesus knows what it's like to be without a natural father at some point. When they spoke of his family, they only spoke of his mother. And if you know anything of the culture, you don't speak of the mother. You spoke of the father. So obviously something had happened to the daddy. Jesus knows everything you're facing. Been there, done that. He knows how to do this thing. Are you hearing me? And he lived in the wilderness and became an expert, pay attention, with the bow. Ishmael not only learned a skill, he became exceptional. God will take your pain, turn it into gain. This boy without a daddy became exceptional. And then it doesn't stop there. He gives more about this young man's bio. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife. Now, typically the father did that. But, but here we find God giving the mother grace to do what Abraham's not doing. And his mother took a wife from him from the land of what? Ishmael. What do we see here? Ishmael became a functional part of society. He broke the curse. There's no record of him getting a divorce. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.